Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Yes, Lord. Father, we thank you today for the miracle of the resurrection. Father, I thank you for fresh revelation about the resurrection. Father, I thank you that you did not hold back, but you gave your best. And I thank you this morning as we celebrate, Lord, as we lift our hands and lift our voices, Lord, they will reflect hearts that love you. Father, I thank you that you're not finished with us yet, Lord, that your plan is being worked out on the earth. And there's still angelic ministry, Lord, on assignment today to minister to your people. God, we declare your kingdom come on this land as it is in heaven. Open the portals of heaven. Pour down favor and blessing and revelation today. God, meet with your people once again. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen and amen 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 you can be seated yeah we like to sing uh, no we like to worship yeah. <laughs> it's different than singing i sing in the shower just because i can't doesn't mean i won't <laughs> it's all right make joyful noise is what the psalmist said just make a you know it's going to be loud in heaven. You know that, right? So let's let's get used to it. Place of life. I love celebrating, and I love Easter, and I love sound of worship, and um, just seeing what can trans- transpire during worship times. And I honestly think that you ne- we need to put something in to get something out, and. Um, I was thinking, um, well, I do think frequently, but I was thinking about, uh, so we, we had a prayer meeting on Monday, and we prayed for sunshine. We didn't pray for temperature. <laughs> Who's running those things? We got to get a hold of them. <laughs> so anyway, thank you, Jesus, for the sunshine. That's awesome. <clears throat> do you know, um, you all know that that the scriptures were written with a cultural context and many times it's hard to take the culture of first century Palestine and drop it into urban Alberta but I was thinking as we were singing what took place when um, right after Christ died is the there was an earthquake and uh, seems like it went right through the temple in downtown Jerusalem and um, but it says that the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. Uh, it sounds like that veil could have been anywhere from 10 to 18 inches thick. It would have taken, you know, two Chev trucks, four Fords. <laughs> Pull it apart. And, um, but it was ripped from the top to the bottom. That was like an impossibility. But you know, in that culture, Whenever a father lost a son, he would rip his clothes. He'd rip his garment. And when the veil was ripped, all of those priests and all of the, those that had Hebrew history would understand completely what just took place. A father's son had just passed. But that 
was not the end of the story. <laughs> Sunday was coming. And uh, there's that great scene in Matthew chapter 28 where it says the angel showed up, rolled a stone away, and then sat on the stone. I love that. And um, then it says the, the guards fell as dead around them. The Bible is a very supernatural book. If you read it with natural eyes, it won't make that much sense to you. It's a supernatural book. And um, Easter, every time we come back to Easter and I read through the Easter narratives, I'm always so intrigued by the miracle of Easter. Um, sadly, there's no Easter bunnies in the Easter story in the Bible, but go ahead and eat as much chocolate as you want. Take your, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. I want to talk about what we just sang about, and I love our worship department that makes sure that we keep our singing strong and about Jesus. I titled my message The Game Changer, and I'm going to talk about um, God's love. Um, sometimes I think that we become a bit superstitious in our faith, rather, and, and, um, and I, I was just reminded of that this past Easter. When we think about the cross, and, and it, it, the cross, like the Good Friday, <laughs> I don't know why they call it Good Friday, but um, the cross of itself doesn't have power. It's a, it, was a, it was a tool of execution, but it's what it represented. And, you know, if you feel better with a cross, you know, on your mirror around your neck or something, go ahead and wear it or put it in your ear or your nose. or It's all, all fine where you want put, to put that. <clears throat> but it's important that you get the story of the cross, not the symbol of the cross. Um, it's known right across history now, of course. And it disrupts horizons with its uh, abstractness. But, but John said, or Paul said in, in Galatians, he said, I, I'm not going to glory in anything but the cross. And I think that we need a revelation of the cross. But as, as followers of Christ, we need a revelation of the resurrection as well. And so that's what I want to talk about and what motivated the Lord uh, to, to give his son. Um, th there's different ways of motivating people. Um, and, and I just want to submit to you that, that God is always motivated by love because he is love. And so in John chapter 3, it's such a, this is such a stunning uh, group of scriptures, chapter one to ver uh, 3, verse 1 to 21. He's talking, he comes to a leader at night, a, a, a religious leader named Nicodemus, and he comes to him at night, um, I, I don't know why, and... Um, he, he's explaining to them about the kingdom of God, and he said, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you've got new eyes. I've been writing a booklet on heaven's eyes because I think so much happens around us that we don't see because we have earthly eyes, but there's heaven's eyes. And he said, you, you're not even able, I assure you, unless you're born again, you, can't, you won't even see the kingdom of God. You can, we can actually, things that can transpire, kingdom things can transpire around us every day, and we may not, we, we may not have eyes to see them. And he goes on to talk about how that as a, how, the, how God's spirit moves and, and how, 11 verse 13, he says, a son of man, um, and uh, like Moses was lifted up uh, on the, uh, up the brown snake as a pole in the wilderness, so I would be lifted up on a pole. He's prophesying about his crucifixion. And so everybody who believes in me will have eternal life. Eternal life different than abundant life. Different than abundant life. He says, but... And then, and then he gives a scripture that most of us know by heart, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. If you've memorized that, you should memorize verse 17 too, where it says, God did not send his son in the world to condemn it, but to save it. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting at the motivations of God during this, the Holy Week. And, and I have found, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but people who presume to talk for God may not even know God. And this is something that irritates me. When people presume to speak on behalf of God but no, don't know him. And if you were to listen to some people who say they're talking on behalf of God, you would think, well, God must be bigoted and God must be racist and God must be homophobic. I assure you, he is none of those. <laughs> but, but what happens is the God that we behold is the God that we project. <clears throat> so, so if you have beheld hatred, you're going to project hatred. You project bigotry, you're going to perceive bigotry, you're going to project bigotry. But here's what I, I do know is you can't change anything that you condemn. You can't change anything that you judge. Judgment and condemnation don't change people. I would like to say that the one who knows God loves people. And he who loves the most knows God the best. That's my thesis for us today. He that loves most knows God best. The Bible says he that doesn't love does not know God because God is love. So I issue a warning to those who claim to know God and speak on his behalf. If they're not lovers of people, they're not lovers of God and they don't speak on behalf of God. They may not even know God. For God so loved, to the, the small little, um, what would that be? A so, that's not an adjective. Maybe it would be. What would it be? Anybody know what that is? So? Oh, a deer, a female deer. No. That's a doe. <laughs> oh, no. Um, for God so loved. I, I honestly think that that's an important little word. It was, he could have said, well, God just loved. But God so loved. I, I, I just sat on that for a little bit this week. That God so loved. And I feel that the rest of that story is he so loved he didn't send his world to his son to condemn he sent his son to save and that's an important differentiation I find people who um, and this has happened to me many times in my um, in my relationship with the Lord um, it probably comes from you know some dysfunction in my upbringing I was unsupervised for much of that and um, um, but I feel like sometimes when I'm praying, I don't tell God the whole story. Has anybody ever done? Just kind of keep the nasty bits back. Like as if he doesn't know them or something. But you think you're presenting, you're just putting your best foot forward. And of course, you know, the way that we're raised and the better you are, the bigger the reward and all that funny stuff. But... And then, and, and then for a number of years, um, right, in those motorcycle years, of course, you try to outrun him and doesn't, don't think he can keep up, keep up with you. There was a question asked to some Bible school students, do you, do you think that God understands radar? 80% of the class thought that God didn't understand radar, uh, even though he made a bat. <laughs> well, we sometimes, uh, here's what I'm saying, is sometimes our image of God is a little bit funny. 
and we think that maybe he's upset or something, or maybe he's mean, or, 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 or maybe he's someone to be feared, afraid of. Yeah, well, here's what I have found is that I can't trust someone I'm afraid of. Think of someone you've been afraid of. You can't trust them. You won't be able to trust them, right? So, because love is able to actually absorb fear. Per perfect love absorbs fear. So that we're no longer, we no longer have any fear. If we allow a revelation of God's love to hit our heart, we will be fearless. So let me just talk about this because, because sometimes in this world we think, or we, we get these, um, these emotions mixed up and two emotions can't dwell in the same emotional space at the same time. And we're meant to be people of faith. So I want to talk about being so loved. And I've been quite captivated by, by being so loved. For God so loved. Um, many of you will know that, the, that uh, the scriptures are written in uh, three different languages. The Old Testament was largely written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. But uh, originally, I believe it was first written in Aramaic. Aramaic is a Galilean dialect of Hebrew, which is why Jesus would have been called Yeshua when it was time for supper, not Jesus, time for supper. Um, so... So Aramaic, was, which was, I think, most of the New Testament was written originally in Aramaic. Uh, we know that Jesus didn't speak Greek, right? Nod. It helps. I move faster when you nod. <laughs> he didn't speak Greek. But we many times we talk about love in four different Greek terms, storge, eros, phileo, and agape. The agape love of, we, we would refer to the God type of love that is unconditional love. I submit to you there's a better way be, of, of using the term love. And, and uh, I don't know if you've thought of this or not, but, but for God so loved, what does that term mean, that he so loved? It's actually a great, great phrase. And in uh, Romans chapter uh, 5 and verse 8, it says God's great love. It's referring to a, a level of love, a type of love. Uh, not just a quality, but a type of love. Um, so he uses in John 21 and verse 20 is a term where he says, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved. So the same term, God so loved the world, and the disciple that Jesus loved. Same term translated into English, but they're actually two different Aramaic terms. The first one is Shev, C-H-E-V. And it, and it refers to a type of love, a, a level of love. <clears throat> We see that, that um, uh, Shev is a love that is not returned. It f it, it's love that flows from one person. Uh, but in order for love to be completed, it has to return. Stay with me. Um, you're all familiar with unrequited love, the one-way love that's not returned. It's painful. I learned a truth at 17, that love was meant for beauty queens. And high school girls with clear skin smiles who married young and then retired. Does anybody know Janice Ian and that's 17? Do you remember that? I don't know. And those of us with ravaged faces, lacking in the social graces, desperately remained at home, inventing lovers on the phone who called to say, come dance with me, and murmured vague obscenities. It isn't all it seems at 17. <laughs> I 
she's a rock star. <laughs> One-way love, it's like, it's, it's the, the girl looking at herself in the mirror and being in love with the quarterback, but the quarterback not even know that she exists. But then one day, the quarterback notices her and he struts across the field like quarterbacks do, and I won't. <laughs> and he looks into her eyes and says, you're the only one who can satisfy my heart. And all of a sudden, the birds begin to sing and the sun begins to shine and life is good because love has been completed. It's not one way. The term, the disciple that Jesus loved is the term rachem, R-A-C-H-E-M. And it means love that's been completed. God so loved you and I that we didn't have to respond to that love ever. While, we're, while we were enemies with him, he loved us. And for some of us now, we've turned and we have completed that love by falling in love with him again. And that's the reason when somebody comes to Christ, that angel sing, because love has been completed. There's nothing that you can do to keep God's love from coming at you. You can resist it, you can resent it, you can reject it, but I'm here to say that because of Easter, his love is coming for you. And when we respond to that love, that now everything changes, that's now rachem where love is finally completed. And, and this is why people tear up at weddings because it's not one-way love. It's love that's being responded to. Two different types of love, two different levels of love. It's uh, in Romans chapter five, and I'll read a little bit more of that, where he says, um, therefore since, uh, let me just read verse six. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us. I love that. Just the right time. Now it's not likely, to, that, no one's likely to die for a good person. That would include most of us. Few of us would take a bullet for a good person. I'm just making it personal. <laughs> not many would. Uh, um, though someone might be willing to die if a person's especially good. He's talking about relative goodness. Um, but he said this, but God showed us great love. She, ra, shev, oops. For by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. God is not judging mankind. He judged his son. And every bit of his judgment and anger and wrath was poured out on his son. And therefore, you and I get to enjoy the benefits of what Christ bore in his body on the cross because of his great love for you and I. There's nothing that you can do to warrant his love for you. He just loves because he is love. Period. Now... The Bible, when we read it, and I read it through each year, and I do find it a bit tricky when I go from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Those of you who have read um, Old Testament passages and, right, everybody's getting slaughtered and all, you know, it's just a, you know, a, a mayhem. Uh, you think, you know, God's, you know, got a temper or something. Uh, here, yes. And... <laughs> 
Well, you could just say amen. That would work too. But so when you ask people, so what do you think God's like? Many times people will answer that question. Just answer it in your own head. What's God like? Many of you think, well, you know, he's a bit moody, a bit angry. I better be careful how or else he might just mm, vaporize me or something. But then you ask to say, well, what's Jesus like? Ah, Jesus. Lo loved kids, hugged a lot, life of the party. Well, here's, here's a news flash. Jesus is the revelation of what God is like, <laughs> completely. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the, our revelation now for you and I, we live in the revelation of what God is like. We're now accountable for this. What's he like? He's just like Jesus. I, I try to read the Gospels twice as much because honestly, I find this is hard to get into my head because I have an Old Testament heart many times. So what happened at Easter? Um, you know, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, he says, uh, people of Israel, God publicly endorsed Jesus by doing wonders and miracles and signs through him, as you well know. But you followed God's prearranged plan with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to the cross and you murdered him. However, God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life again. For death could not keep him in its grip. It was impossible to keep the author of life in the grip of death. Just like they tried to extinguish the light of the world. It was impossible to do. Oh, there was a moment where it looked like a little bit of success. But if the devil would have known what would have happened at the cross, he would have killed everybody else except Jesus. Because he turned into a revolution that's still going on today. Easter, it's more complex than I can explain. But the cross was only one means of torture. There was many other means in that day, and each one was equally terminal, including decapitation and burning at the stake. But many people were crucified. He wasn't the only one that was crucified, but he's the only one that came back to life. It's beautiful. The history of Jesus is very well documented, but his history does not change anyone. You can look through the history books and you can read all about him, but that won't change you. You have to believe what he did and have eyes to see what transacted in the spirit world. Manufactured fairy tales don't change people's lives and people are not willing to die for a fairy tale. Billy Graham was right. Jesus is alive. So the last issue that I find comes up very often, and, um, and I honestly don't find this always easy to understand, but it's, but it's the sin issue. And I don't know if, uh, if you're part of this church, you know that sin's not an issue. I mean, not really. It can complicate your life a lot, but it can't keep you from Christ. What, what it does is it actually it, it mars your heart and it affects how you respond to God, but it can't keep you from him. It's not that powerful. The term, there's seven terms in the New Testament for sin. The one that's most commonly used is harmatia, and it simply means to miss the mark. If I could say that, 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 that um, sin largely is self-destructive behavior, that's what it is. <clears throat> but because Christ bore our sins in his body on the cross, as we believe into that, it's now credited to us as being right, that you and I are now right. 
The term reconciliation, or, or to be reconciled, means that there's been an exchange of his life for yours. So, so it's simply like this. It kind of goes like this. Why did Jesus die such a cruel death? Well, in one word, it's love. Why did he have to die such cruel death? Because of love. Bible says that faith works by love. Did you know that you can, if you're, that you can memorize scriptures and get them wrong? Did you know that? This is a tricky thing. Because you can memorize a scripture, you can take scripture and memorize it, and then you can actually do the interpretation in your heart as coming out kind of judgmental or funky. Did you know that? Have you, not, have you noticed that? I find that about me all the time. You think, well, it's just the word. Yeah, no, no, it's the word. It's how you process the word. Because the Bible, you can justify any form of bad behavior from Scripture, and most people have. Did you know that during the, the, the slave, uh, the abolition, that they used Scripture to reinforce slavery? Did you know that? Because what, what is it? It's just the word interpreted with an with a evil heart. That's all. So, so it's easy to do. So the reason we want to remove the, this is, this is part of Passover, is getting all the leaven out of the house. You and I, we need to get all the sin out of the house because it keeps us from being able to see God the way he is. And we need to remove that, and that's part of our, our walk with the Lord. You can never trust someone you're afraid of. I already said that. God loves you, and there's no judgment. That was, that was the, the, the message of the cross, is he loved, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. You are not being condemned by God. You're not being judged by God. I know we have, we're a bit hard on ourselves. We'll judge ourselves. But God is not judging you. That's, a, that's an important message. God's love is beyond our intellectual capacity to know it, but it's not beyond our emotional capacity to experience it. And this is important to know. Sin cannot keep you from God's love, but it will make you incapable of feeling and experiencing his love. You have to get this into your, into your working knowledge. While we were at our worst, he died for us. He, he, he can't love you anymore after you, I mean, I mean, do some good stuff, but you're not more loved. And that's why when we view people and we're around people, we should be the greatest lovers of people. I mean, people lovers. I don't mean lover lovers. Well, you should be lover lovers too, but... People lovers. Do you hear what I'm saying? We should be the most lovable people on earth. More lovable than a frisky goat. <laughs> we totally should be. This is, this is, and because those who know God, they know his love. And once you get a revelation of his love, you're able to love others. We sometimes think, ah, oh, we love because we're, we're, we've got love in us. No, in and of yourself, you don't. We love because he first loved us. Love does not originate with you or I. It or originates with God. We love because he loved us. And once you get a revelation of that love, you can't help but love. Man, the night I give my life to Jesus, I wanted to hug a maple tree. It was just coming out of me. Now, since then, a bit has drained off, but man, that night was a remarkable night. Everything looked different. Everything felt different. Everything sounded different. I just wanted to love. Why? Because I just got, I just got the, the burden of sin and guilt and e e all the evil in my world got lifted. And I got poured into by the love of Jesus. I didn't understand it. Someone asked me what happened. I said, I don't know, but it's good. You should try it. Kind of, I don't know, but it's good. Okay. 
Well, here's, here's what I want. I just want you to do a quick little test. If you do, if in your heart, if you do something wrong or you fail at something, do you have in your mind, oh, God's just getting even with me? That's not God. That's not God. That's you. He doesn't need to get even with you for anything. But there will be some dominant emotion that's driving that feeling. Emotions come from thoughts. You need to change your thought. There's only one way to change. Put off the old man, renew your mind, and put on the new man. That's how we change in the New Testament. That's what happens in baptism. Death, burial, and resurrection. New life. Sometimes we got to let go so we can grab on. So it's different. So um, when you do dumb things, well, of course, you do dumb things, negative things happen. You know that. That's called life. That's not karma. It's life. Do, do dumb things, negative consequences. Welcome to the world. But when we start to translate that into terms like God's not for me or God's not, now, now you've stepped outside of the realm of truth because there's nothing you can do that will limit or minimize his love. There's, some, there's habits and thoughts that will keep us from experiencing it, but nothing you can do that can keep his love from you. There's no demon in hell strong enough. Can't be. Jesus went to the place of the dead. He went, to the, he went on your my behalf, so we didn't have to go. Couldn't hold him. Um, John chapter 1, 1 John 1, sorry, verse 4 to 16. And I close with this thought, but it's a powerful thought. Um, sometimes I know we get afraid. We get afraid of being judged. And uh, forever, for whatever reason, I'm just in inviting you to exchange that for a feeling of being loved instead. So you, 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 you can, it's our beliefs are the things that drive our emotions. So we're told in, in 1 John chapter 4 that there is no judgment or no fear of judgment or no dread in judgment in love. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, uh, it is for fear of judgment. And this shows that his love has not been perfected in us. When the love of Christ gets poured into our heart, it begins to perfect us. And we become emotional, stable beings now because there's no dart that the devil can throw at you that keep you from that love if you're open and willing to respond to his love. Um, to the degree that I accept his love, I'm delivered from fear, I'm delivered from punishment, I'm delivered from dread, I'm delivered from that because his love does that for me. My closing thought, Philip Yangtze, many of you know his uh, as an author, he was driving on a, on a winter road, coming home, driving home on a, uh, in the wintertime, and he slipped and went off the road and crashed his car. Um, the, when the emergency vehicles arrived, they said that uh, he can't move. Um, he couldn't move because a bone may end up, uh, could get uh, pierced an artery, and he would die. Uh, when is pain redemptive? When it leads to a fresh perspective. And so as he was laying there for seven hours on a, on a board, he had to stay perfectly still. He said during those hours of pain and fear, he had three questions that were repeating in his mind. First one was, who do, you, who do I love? It's a brilliant question. It's good to ask when you're not on a backboard. Who do you love? Second question that kept coming to his mind was, what have I done with my life? And the third question, am I ready for whatever's next? We should live in light of those ultimate questions every day of our lives. I think they're profound questions. 
This morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to God's love. As we close and, um, and we, we just begin to kind of get our head around God's love that he's m- moving towards us, I want you to consider a couple of things. Um, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. So there's a part that we pr- play when we, um, when we respond to God's love. And in our particular situation, we do things like, we do things like either raise our hand or we go talk to somebody about it or we do things like that. This morning, I'm not gonna have a specific altar call for that, but if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ or you wanna get your life right with Christ, it's a very simple thing. It's a very personal thing, very, very uh, private thing. And that's, I'm gonna pray a prayer and as you repeat that prayer, and you believe in your heart, something instantly can take place. The burdens can lift off and the love of Jesus can be experienced in a moment. It's happened to me. It's happened to millions of others. I'm thinking of people today that maybe you've responded in the past, but things have got a little bit disappointing or discouraging along the way and you've kind of felt like giving up in your faith. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you as well. We, we won't ask you to come forward specifically, but I'd like to know who you are. So as I close, I'd like you to just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Um, the last people I want to pray for, and I'd like you to come forward right at the end, and that's those whose dreams have died. You had a dream that you've carried. It could be at a young age. Joseph had one when he was 17, and he just was going through life, and he thought this is never going to come to pass. If your dreams died... I'm going to ask the Lord to resurrect the dream in your heart today. It's Resurrection Sunday. That can, ha- that can happen. When you, when, you, when you share a word on hope like this and God's love, there should be a response. He confirms his word, not his worker, his word. Because his word's perfect, his word's true. So I want you to just stand with me together. I'm going to pray two prayers, and then I'm going to invite anybody that wants to come forward. i invite the prayer team to come forward. <clears throat> So we'll just do this out of respect for each other. We close our eyes and you don't need a, like this isn't like, um, you know, a specific requirement, but it's kind of polite. And then I just want you people to raise your hands if this is you. So this morning, if you don't know Christ as Savior or Lord, or you've walked away from him and you want to come back to him with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'd like you just to shoot your hand up so I can pray for you right where you're standing, if I could, please. Is there anybody here? Just shoot your hand up quickly. I want to pray for you. Yes, sir. Thank you. You can put it down. Anybody else want to stand? Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Simple thing, personal thing, very powerful thing that we can pray together. Thank you, sir. Great. That's five. Anybody else want to just join them as we pray together? Just a few seconds more. Thank you, Lord. So here's the type of prayer we pray, and you don't need to pray it out loud. Sometimes we do. I think this morning we'll just pray it in privately. And just repeat these words in your, in your heart after me or in your mind. Say, Dear Lord, I need your power in my life. I thank you for dying for me, and I thank you that you have given uh, your life so that I can have a new life. I ask for your power in my life, for your presence in my life, and I choose today to serve and follow you. Thank you for forgiving my past and welcoming me into the future. I want to walk with you and serve you now as I today give myself to you once again. In Jesus' name, amen. 
thank you for being together with us here this morning. Uh, specifically, I want to pray for people whose dreams has died. I want to pray for you. I, th I honestly believe that the Lord will not just wake them up again, but help you realize those. If your dream has died, I want you just to come up quickly, please. Feel like a dream has died. Thank you. Yeah. Just come on up. I'll get the prayer team to come and join me and just stand with them. Anybody else? Feel like your dream has died. Resurrection Sunday, this is a beautiful day for that. Father, I thank you. Anybody else? Mm -hmm. Today, Lord. Today, Lord. You can bring back to life what seems dead. Father, you're the resurrection and you are the life. Father, this morning I thank you for bringing to life what you originally sowed into these people's lives and hearts. This desire came from you. You give us desires of our hearts. You give them to us. So, Father, because you don't give up on us, we're not going to give up on the dream. And so we declare today, Lord, it's a day of dreams being rebirthed. We declare fresh life and fresh breath on these dreams right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you for coming and breathing on these dry bones. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for birthing brand new life into these dreams. Thank you for putting technicolor on these dreams. God, thank you for putting fire in these bones, O oh Lord. In the name of Jesus, fresh vision, fresh dream, Spirit of God, from this day forward, let faith arise in the hearts of your sons and daughters. Lord, you've never given up on us. You never could and you never will. Today, in Jesus' name, we declare these dreams shall live. These dreams shall live. Father, I thank you for Resurrection Sunday. I thank you, Lord, for your great presence in our life. I thank you for a revelation of your love and I thank you that you promise to never leave us or forsake us. As we go, you go with us. So we rejoice and celebrate in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week. Your release. Go and change your world.